This is Matt Hayes with Saturday Down South, and I want to tell you about a new podcast we're launching. Saturday Lives Forever is dedicated to the iconic players and moments of college football. Those unforgettable moments where you remember where you were when you watched it. Season one of Saturday Lives Forever is coming soon, but subscribe now and make sure you don't miss an episode. Search for Saturday Lives Forever in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're obsessed like us with college football and can't get enough of reliving fall Saturdays, you're going to love this new show. All right, guys, welcome in uh, to another edition of College Football Uncensored. I am, I'm, I guess I'm the host now. I'm the captain, uh, Chris Marler. Tyler chose not to be here today because Florida State is playing Notre Dame, and naturally he hasn't gotten to see uh, Florida State lose a game this year uh, or last year in person, so he wanted to do that um, this, I guess, Labor Day weekend. So we have a very special guest. Uh, it's from the Chuck Oliver Show and 680 Fan, Dan, Dan Matthews. I almost called you Dan Oliver. <laughs> I've been called worse. I mean, That's you know, good. if you want to, you know, I mean, and some of it was last night. Some of it was on social media. So it happens. Don't worry about yeah, it. You had a tough one last night. Oh, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, you can't like for like sponsorships and everything. But uh, let's just say that uh, last night the Modelo was flowing and uh, it uh, has continued into today. Not problematic by any means. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, but uh I have uh, definitely been uh, just, you know, it's, I see another UCLA player go in motion and I see another missed tackle and, and it's just, it, it's, it's almost kind of like that episode of Seinfeld when Morty Seinfeld remembers all of the soldiers getting sick from his cooking. Oh yeah. Is that, that's playing over in my mind right now. I'm Morty Seinfeld and I'm remembering everybody because I overseasoned the meat getting sick. So that's the way I feel right now. That's fair. That's fair. I, um, at least you're taking ownership of it. You know, that's, that's something I had to learn, like, you know, a long way. It took me a long time to do well, that. I guess so. it was Frank Costanza. Sorry. It was Frank Costanza. I don't want yeah, to. Right, it was. I don't want to correct you. I know you had a rough one anyway. Yeah. So, um, but no, this will, this will be fun. You're going to hear me say, um, a ton of times. I'll probably stutter through some things that I've already prepared for and know how to say, but I'll just get nervous and mess it up, but we'll have a good time. This is going to be like, um, you know, like, like either your stepdad or your cool uncle is basically just watching the kids for the weekend. So we're going to have some pizza, probably stay up too late. It'll be a lot of fun, unless you're an LSU fan or Vandy fan. But <laughs> we'll get started with the game that everyone, I'm sure, wants to talk about. Um, it was the biggest game we've heard about all offseason and the game that mattered the most uh, to everyone. And that's Bama-Miami. So um, we'll t- <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Georgia fans, time to get your due. Georgia-Clemson. Last night in Charlotte, uh, three versus five, top five matchup. We talked about it, like I said, all offseason. We had all these huge expectations for Georgia this year. Obviously, the same expectations we have every year for Clemson. And it's the same question year in, year out. Is this Georgia's year? Is this the year they finally get over the hump? It's not even turning the corner. They've turned the corner a long time ago. Are they going to be able to get over the hump? Can Kirby Smart get out of his own way? And, and listen, we've broken this down beforehand every which way possible from talking about the coordinators and the, you know, having like the continuity there, them staying all the returning talent and, you know, and they had some injuries and some losses, but what they did to Clemson last night, I want to hear from you. Cause I'm, I'm a prisoner of the moment a lot. I, I'll get caught up in it. I thought it was 
like unbelievably impressive for one. I would have them ranked at number one because of that defense. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot that it like I said, this with Bama. Like, I didn't think Bama would be that great this year because specifically, I don't know if defense is going to win you championships. So in, in college football, um, we saw last night, Georgia's offense was pedestrian as it could be. JT Daniels did nothing to, to win you that game. Um, you know, had an interception. He, he like, obviously didn't throw for a touchdown. I think he was 22 of 30 for like a hundred and. 135 is what I saw. Right. And but it was a, bu- it, yeah. I mean, it was a bunch of underneath stuff. I mean, yeah, there was some catches and runs, but for the most part, I mean, you're looking at three, four or five yards of completion and right. you need a lot more than that. And that's what I think George has been thought they were going to be getting this year, but I, I get it too with me saying that it's going to be Dan no George Pickens, no Darnell Washington, no right. Eric Gilbert. So I get it. There are the losses. There are the injuries. Well, um, hold on real quick. But, uh, speaking to that sure. point, yeah. you brought up like, like those injuries specifically. Do you think that if they were in, that it would have made – how big of a difference do you think it would have made? Because I, I, don't, I think that they'll still have success on offense. They were just you know shut down by a really good team. Uh, I mean, I think in terms of, uh, you know, a few more downfield shots with Pickens and Washington mm-hmm. out there, uh, I think that probably you do have that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I also think, though, as well, the way the game was going and how you were able to absolutely manhandle Clemson's front. Right. And you were able to get to DJ Uyangalele with regularity beyond belief that Kirby Smart probably then started to revert back to what he knows. And that is. Don't give up the baby. Do not turn the football over. Right. Let's put them on their heels for most of the night, which they did. Mm-hmm. And it was the winning formula that they needed. So yeah. I think if nothing else, you've proven that again, you can do that. If you're Georgia, I think though, as well, if they want to get to where they want to get to at the end of the season, that's undefeated. That's winning the SEC championship game. And then that's getting to the college football playoff the passing game is going to have to be there at least some point in the season. Yeah. And I would agree with that. I think that, so what we always do just as fans, as you know, uh, you know, people that talk about this or, or humans in general, we immediately start looking at what's next and people immediately also start breaking down, you know, well, like what well, they wouldn't have done that to Bama. They got to put more pan- points in Bama. Like Bama would have done this to Clemson. You didn't blah, have blah, to blah. this week. The, the comparisons are like, it, it, it's what we do as fans, right? So it's like they're oh, yeah. useless. They're they're all hypotheticals, but at the same time, it's, they're going to be talked about. I don't. I don't think I, that thing that I saw last night made me think they're in trouble because their offense is bad. They're they couldn't score a point against Clemson. I mean, the other part of that to talk about like Herbstreit brought up just incessantly. You have a defense that returned all eleven starters that has a, a ton of veteran leadership. They've had. Brent Venables is probably the best defensive coordinator besides maybe Dan Landing in the country and has been there for like a, a decade. So I, I'm sure that team was prepared. It's, it's a one game season for Clemson. I, I just don't think that what I saw was that concerning on offense. I just think it was a good defense. No, I, I think that there's definitely that, but it's also too, as well, you know, I, I get the people who are going to say, Oh man, look at Alabama. Like it, it, you're not going to be able to beat that team. Right. Guess what? You don't have to beat that team until December. Right. This is going to be a totally different football team in December. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen it all the time with Georgia where, I mean, we saw that run that they went on before running into Auburn in the 2017 season where they were seemingly able to run on everybody. 
they had a good enough passing game where pretty much it was Jake Fromm working with Terry Godwin and right. working with uh, uh, Javon Wims for the most part, but still you had a good enough passing game. So I think if you're trying to win the SEC championship game right now, good news, you don't have to win the SEC championship game right now. You need to beat the teams that are in front of you. Exactly. And I do think that these next couple of weeks is a good opportunity for them to be able to say, Hey, let's get some confidence in these receivers because Mm -hmm. it's not for a lack of talent and it's not for a lack of ability, which is both doing the same thing with receivers. Just Georgia has just not had guys who can consistently get separation and be able to help out their quarterback. And some people might say, well, your quarterback needs to be able to help you do that too. It's kind of a give and take scenario there where you got to give a little bit too to be able to help them out. And JT Daniels did what you needed him to do last night. You mentioned the interception. That was unfortunate. But for the most part, he did what you probably asked him to do and a defensive struggle like that. And that's don't turn the football over. And for the most part, he didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so I think for me, it, it was like, like what the defense is able to do. I, I don't think that George is going to face another team that's going to do it like Clemson's able to do on defense. I, like, like Alabama is, is good up front. But they had three starters get injured in that game. We don't know. Like, and again, we're four or three months away from having to figure out if they're going to be able to win that. And we don't know if it's Bama, it could be AM or, or anybody in the, in the West besides maybe LSU or Mississippi State um, or maybe even Arkansas. But the, the things that I was most impressed with, like last night, you know, like finding a positive in that offense, when you stop them on fourth and five with four minutes and 34 seconds to go, they did something. I, I remember hearing this, at, like I was in such a daze in that 2018 national championship against Clemson, right? where they just throttled Bama. And I heard a stat afterwards. It's like, you know, they got the ball back with like nine minutes and like on their own nine yard line. And they, ne- and they never, Bama never touched the ball again. They just ran out the clock just efficiently. It's not the same length of time, but you have four minutes and like, you know, four and a half minutes left. And Clemson has like you know, a timeout, at least one. I don't remember how many they had at the time, but you never gave the ball back. 10 straight plays. You ran every single time and you were able to, Never, never give it back away to him, right? Like you never had to punt. You never, I, th- I thought that was unbelievably impressive because this is a team also in a program where we've asked like countless times for them to show us how they can finish. They never finish. They're never like, you know, they could have punted Bama deep in that 2018 game. They fucking ran a fake punt, right? They, like <laughs> there's so many times, so many examples we've seen this where it's like, dude, like you guys were there. You were there. Yeah. Just finished, yeah. and so I was I was impressed with that. That felt like it was a, a you know something different, um, you know, from a defensive standpoint. We got to get into it because mm-hmm. it was one of the most impressive defensive performances I've ever seen. It, it looked like, and I'm not trying to be rude, that 2011 national championship game, it, like Bama LSU. It, they, especially in the second half, it I, like I got home from the the from Mercedes Benz, and I was like, you know, it was probably five minutes in the first quarter. And uh, like I get a, getting settled in like my office and everything like that, and start to put the games on. And I watched like two series and I texted my buddy and I was like, Clemson has nothing for y'all. Like they have nothing for y'all's defense. There is y'all went by double digits. It, it, like it, it seemed that way early. And, and then when you got to the second half, when offenses and defenses obviously too, but offenses can make adjustments and you've got a former five-star quarterback. I thought Kirby went into that game with a different kind of attitude and, and swagger and almost arrogance. And it was like, 
it was like warranted. Like, he, like he, the fact that Justin Ross, who I know has a plate in two years, but he's their best offensive weapon, hands down. Mm-hmm. He threw a freshman on him, Keely Ringo, and just and was like, "Yeah, it's fine. We've got everyone else already like manned up. We're fine with that. We'll just put a freshman on him." I, I just the the confidence he had in his his you know front four, front seven. The Kobe Dean finally taking over, having two sacks. Jordan, oh my God, Jordan Davis is a monster. I just I thought it was. One of those, they held him at two yards rushing. I just, <laughs> Clemson's been held under, under 100 yards rushing, I think, like just three times since 2016. And, and they haven't, they've been held to, um, I think it was the same amount of like, like a, a point or like less than, less than, they've been held to no touchdowns, I think, or like at least mm-hmm. one touchdown or less, also for the first time since 2017. It, it was, I mean, they, they just a beat down. Yeah, I mean, in every single way. And I think the first thing that you mentioned there with the closing out games, mm-hmm. I mean, Georgia fans can probably say, oh, I was never worried, had them the entire time. Don't you think, though, on that one drive that resulted in the field goal, which that was when, when they forced the field goal, I said, okay, that feels a little different. But when Clemson was driving right there, I think you had to be, as a Georgia fan, like, oh, damn. Like, not only do I know this feeling – but I also know that they know that feeling too, because we've yeah. seen Clemson be in situations like that before. A couple of years ago against Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, you thought there's no way they're coming back to win this game. They come back and win the game. Right. I mean, we've seen them do it to Notre Dame a, a couple of times before. I mean, just whoever it's been, Clemson has known that they can come back. What I talked about all last week was not only with Georgia fans, but just with Kirby, you know, saying, oh, this game doesn't define us, all that. I just said, damn, man, like be different, like yeah. dare to be different. Like, like stop with this, you know, Oh, well, you know, we're so close. We're so close. Like, I, like screw your being close. Like soon enough, you got to do it. Right. And, and, and I think that, you know, I'm not after one game going to say that this feels different, oh. but it at least gives you a chance to be different. And that's nice. I think defensively too, to your point, because get to that actually uh, in just a second is, what had we been hearing about all week long and all offseason long coming into this game, especially after G-Day, was, wow, them going against that Clemson defensive front is going to be dangerous. They handled their own. Yeah. And not only they handled their own, they won that battle up front. Yep. And, and that even includes losing another starter, and you're going to lose them for the year in Tate Ratlitch. So right. that was not good. So that was a great job by Matt Luke and the offensive staff coaching up the line. Defensively, Here's the thing that along the same lines too, Chris, of being different was I have not seen a Kirby smart defense at Georgia consistently get to the quarterback. Yeah. And they did. And not only did they consistently get to the quarterback, it was to a point where we don't even have to get exotic with this. Nope. We can send three, we can send four and we're right. getting to you. And yeah. they did. And I mean, and it was, you know, people could say, oh, we on the Lele holding on to the ball. He didn't have time. Yeah, at any point. He didn't have time. Yeah, there was, I'm, I'm trying to search for it now. There was a, there was a tweet from um, every, it was the ESCBS, um, Every Day Should Be Saturday. I know I messed mm-hmm. up that acronym, but uh, he had a tweet I saw this morning that I thought, Spencer Hall, he, he summed it up perfectly. And he said, um, let me scroll through this and find it real quick. Like, like to your point, when you say like they didn't have to get exotic, like you're right. It, but it was all night. There was over 20 players 
that made the defensive stat sheet. 20. That, that doesn't happen in football. Like that, that may happen in a spring game. It may happen in, you know, an early season game against like Mercer or some shit like that, where like you have, you have like tons of young guys playing, right? That does not happen against the number three team in the fucking country. And that was like one of the most impressive parts, I think, to me. Um, and of course, I cannot find this tweet now, but I, we'll, we're going to move on anyway. I think that a huge win for Georgia. I'm happy for their fans. Um, we have a couple of voicemails that we got uh, on the new okay. uh, hotline that were, were just, I don't want to say impressive. They were, um, they were what we expected for sure. Yeah. So, all right. Let's, um, I, I couldn't find a tweet, but let's, uh, let's move on to the next game. The game I was at um, Alabama, Miami. We'll keep it pretty, pretty short here. I was maybe, you know what, maybe I'm just like too jaded from that 2018 season or 2016 where I thought they had the best team in the country or the best team maybe ever. And they lost. Maybe I'm just, I'm just trying to be too overly uh, pessimistic of this team. I did not expect to see what I saw on Saturday at all. No. And, and it's how funny is it too to like back you up on that? It's so shame on us with, with Nick like where yeah. it's how many times are we going to do this? Oh, look at all this talent he's got to replace. And then bam, we get it yesterday. Like yeah. it, it's, it's one of those, like, how about we just believe him and then be pleasantly disappointed when it doesn't come to fruition, which right. of course, if you do that enough soon enough, you'll be right. But I mean, it was just unbelievable. It was not only him. It was also too. I think a lot of people when Bill O'Brien got hired, we're like, the hell is this? Right. Like, are, are you really going to bring in this guy who you're probably going to be yelling at on the sidelines and then he'll yell back at you, which it was funny enough that he was up in the booth. So you wonder if maybe that was already worked out before the season of, yeah, we're not going to have that sideline moment. If you're going to be yelling at me, you're going to be yelling at me on the headset where nobody right. can see it. So, uh, but I mean, I thought he rolled aces yesterday yeah. and Manny Diaz and that Miami defense just had zero response to them. And it was also too to a point where I was doing a show on 680 with Sean Nerney. And he said it was some of the hits that Derek King was taking. He yeah. was like, I I'd get him out because this is just, this is to the point now where if you're Miami, you just have to just say this game's lost. Right. Let's try to see what we can make in the ACC. You know, there, there was like the things I was impressed with, like the Bill O'Brien thing, you're spot on. And it's, hilarious that you bring up thing about like just our disrespect or disregard of like trusting Nick. Right. And, and Saban. So, you know, was, we were joking about this uh, like last week and, and me and Paige Kuhn and, and Kristen Saban, like we're all in this like text thread and, and, you know, we like talk like every day. And so Kristen will sometimes like, she doesn't often pay attention to stuff, but she like pays attention to our stuff. And she had seen that Paige and I both had predicted they would you know, lose at least one or two games. I think I said two and, and Paige said one and it was not going to be their year. And she made the comment. She was like, I don't understand why you don't think that my dad knows what he's doing this year. Just, I would just, you know what? I'll just talk to you guys, like, you know, at the end of the season, I just, she's like, I trust Nick. It'll be fine. And like, I thought she was like kind of making a joke. She was not, she was, she, she was just speaking the truth. And it was, you know, he went out there. I was, I was at like the forefront of, of the judgment and, and like, complaining about uh, the Bill O'Brien hire because it doesn't make any sense. And you're losing Sark, right. who's the best play caller in college football, maybe besides Lane. And, you know, and, and you have so much talent to replace. And, and like, I, that offense still isn't going to be like the offense last year. Even from right. an efficiency standpoint, like, I'm not trying to critique stuff, but 
Bryce Young comes out 27 or 38, 344 yards, four touchdowns. They did whatever they wanted to do that Miami offense or defense. I mean, Mm. but what was, what was most surprising to me was in a, in a game where I've never seen with a true freshman quarterback, right? Jalen Hurts was there in 2016. We saw it with Tua um, at times in 2017, but I've never seen Nick Saban with a new quarterback like, like even if he's not a freshman or a freshman quarterback, go into a season opener and decide, you know what? Fuck it. Like the strength of our offense is throwing it. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to air it out. Like 38 attempts, 38 attempts. And he was pulled early. So the fact that you have a stable of backs like Brian Robinson and, and Jace McKellen and, and, and like Trey Sanders and all that. And you never, Brian Robinson got 12 carries. I, I thought he would have 20 carries with like 15, maybe in the first half. And I thought that was the most surprising and also maybe impressive thing I, you know, from Saturday. Well, not only that, I think also too, to your point about the running game is like we were talking about the strengths with Georgia. It's the same thing with Alabama as you look at everything they had returning defensively Mm -hmm. and that stable of running backs they had, that you thought if there is an opportunity for Nick to be able to get back to early 2010s, Nick, this is it. This right. is when you do it. Script flipped on us on that. But the other part of it as well, I think that part of what you were thinking had a trained and warranted response. Right. Because I sometimes like to, whenever I listen to coaches' press conferences, to kind of pick up on what is he really saying there? Right. It goes back to the, I believe, was it uh, uh, Jaleel Billingsley? The whole, this is not a democracy, all that, because he's never just talking to one guy. Yeah, Whatever. it's meant about that guy, but it's other people. The one that got me concerned that it was, uh-oh, Nick doesn't feel good about this team, was the line about guys got to get out of their feelings. And right. it was, he's probably starting the sense that these guys, look at me, I'm at Alabama. You know, I, I we're just expected to win here. Yeah. And whatever button he pushed this offseason off of those, because I think those are legit concerns. You, you've heard him say before about every season's a new season and, and all of the things that he says that just makes so much sense. But right. I mean, like, <laughs> I understand that people in Alabama would believe that it's like a declaration of emergency time if indeed they lost three games in a regular season. But damn, man, like, can you really like, I, I guess if nothing else, like, can, can people enjoy this enough to know that, like, no, I mean, what was it in, in 20? Was it, was it 20? Yeah, it was 2019 when they, when they lost more than one regular season game. I mean, Chris, they hadn't done that damn thing in 10 years. Yeah, I know. It's unreal. The consistency. I was like, if they lose to LSU, it, it does feel like the, it felt like a changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. It's like the sky is falling, all of it. Because then you lose Tua. Like, and Tua has been the best quarterback. You're never going to get a better quarterback than Tua, ever. Mm-hmm. And right. then the next year, you have Matt Jones. And, and then stuff with Bryce Young, this kid looked really, really good. He, he did stuff that I haven't seen other Bama quarterbacks be able to do with, like, you know, his accuracy. And, and, and that offensive line was able to give him enough time where he just kind of – it almost looked like when you're playing backyard football at times and, and you have an extra man, and so somebody's all-time QB. And so that person just is sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And, you know, you finally have to like, you know, seven Mississippi. And he has to like let go of the ball because he was, he was at, at times standing almost flat footed, just waiting, just whatever. Um, really impressed with the receivers. 
I thought the defense looked really good early when they needed to. And when they were at full strength, um, when you like, there's, there was one play in particular that, that um, I think it's like the strip sack where you had a, uh, uh, Chris Allen um, coming from one side. Right. And he gets, he gets by obviously strips. And then the ball is like, I think, I think it hit off something and then bounced into like the hands of like Federer and Mathis. Mm-hmm. So it looked a lot like 2016's defense, which is a phenomenal defense that caused so many turnovers and had non-offensive touchdowns. But the other most important part of that, I, I kept thinking was if he didn't get there, Will Anderson, when you saw the replay, he was just breathing down his neck as well. So it, it it's not even close to being the same as Georgia's uh, front front forward and like that. But it was, it was, it gave me a lot of hope. If, if they can get after the quarterback that can, you know, open up a lot more uh, room for error if there is going to be error with this offense. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, just like you were saying, too, I mean, just how efficient and just amazing they were offensively. Like, I just was fooling around over here looking at the numbers. 344, four touchdowns, no interceptions in a very first start. Mm -hmm. In a very first start where he didn't do the, like you were talking about earlier, Tyler being at the FSU Notre Dame game where you had a foolish pass intercepted by a young quarterback for Florida right. State. And that mistake was not made. I mean, I, I think that that can't be underscored. And also, too, I just I, I think that just the complete balance they had offensively, too, where I didn't realize this looking at the numbers right now. Yeah. 39 passes, 38 rushes. Right. I mean, and you were able to do that by being that balanced. I mean, that's... But, you know, honestly, if you look at it, and I, I would love to break it down almost play by play because I, I I left I left the game early, like even from the press box. I, I went because I wanted to watch the Georgia Clemson game and watch the night games as well. Mm-hmm. But it, like the thirty eight attempts that that Bryce had, right? I would love to know how many of those running plays were at the end of the game because I I don't remember it. It didn't feel like it was a not that it was like you know it was like it wasn't balanced like it was mm-hmm. like an imbalance. It just felt like. They, the, in, the offense was, was predicated off the pass, like, and they, that was going to be their bread and butter. And, it's, and it worked. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, you know, you, you get an impressive performance out of uh, Williams, the guy transferred in from Ohio State. I mean, that's unreal that it's one of those, hey, kind of need to build up this receiver room. Hey, you want to leave Ohio State? You can come here. You can come play here. Uh, right. John Mechie, unbelievable. Slay Bolden, I think, is somebody that needs to be uh, a consistent stalwart for them. I mean, yeah. to be really a, a great role player for you in that room. Right. And I think if he can, then that helps you out even more. So no, it, I mean, just to say impressive is beyond belief. And I'll try my best now to now say, Nick, I trust you. I believe you. I don't doubt you. Yeah. There you go. I'll do my um, best. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I'm not going to say anything like that. Uh, yet because I was, I was pretty disappointed about the, the guys got to get out of their feelings comments. I felt personally attacked by that. I'll just, I'll say it. But that's something me and Nick will work out another time. All right. There we're going to get into one more game um, before we go to the full, like just wrap around the all sec. And, and I'm going to let you take the lead on this one because, you know, admittedly you are an LSU guy. I was, mm. I had, I had three TVs going. I had Florida, Florida Atlantic. I had Georgia Clemson game and I had, LSU UCLA and I was almost more excited about the LSU UCLA game than I was for anything else. And, and I, I made some bold predictions. Uh, I made some not bold predictions and also some bold predictions before this weekend. And none of those came true. So um, real quick, like introing you into it, we will also bring up the entrance into the stadium. 
you all know like you know the backstory of what was going on with LSU this week. You you're displaced from Baton Rouge. You have to go stay in Houston. They're practicing there for four days. They go out to LA on Thursday, and and it seemed like they were a focused team. They were they were ready to go. Coach O coming into the stadium, some fan talking shit to him, saying he was gonna you know they were gonna beat his ass, and he's like, come on down here. Come on down here and starts talking <laughs> shit to the fan, which is like I, I'm all for that. Like it's like like wrestling stuff. Like you just like like I was cracking. I was like he said something about a sissy blue shirt, and yeah. I kind of thought I was like, well, they're gonna run these people out the building, and it didn't. It turned out that it wasn't about the focus. It might have just been about the talent. You you tell me how the game unfolded. I don't think that it was focus. I think that it was just preparation and also execution as well because. I'll just start first with right now the frustration with LSU's defense. Right. Chris, you got Tyron Matthew and I believe other players on Twitter saying, yeah, that doesn't fly around here. Like, this is LSU. Like, this is what we're known for. Being good offensively has been something that's been new around here. We've been known all the time about being outstanding defensively. And I think my frustration with it is twofold, is number one, you were told all last year just how crappy you were. And, and you had to wear that. You had to wear the, the big explosive plays and the, and the communication breakdowns, everything like that. How did that not burn your ass all offseason right. where it's extra workouts, it's extra film, it's making sure, hey, no, we're good. Like, we, we need to make sure that we're good and that that what happened last year has no place here. We can't do that again. It was the yeah. same stuff. And, and I guarantee you last night, if he is a petty person, which I don't, you know, I don't, I don't claim to know Bo Pelini well, but somewhere Bo Pelini last night was saying, Oh, I was the problem, which I mean, problems kind of started when we got here, but, but that's, but that's the frustration for me is that it's just like, like, damn man, like, Every single one of those guys on the field is talented. That's not the issue. I mean, where I had linebackers' eyes in the backfield all night and just completely out of position. Those guys were playing on roller skates, Chris. Right. And and, and then the, the poor angles to the football. The tackling was piss poor. There's no other way to say it. It was terrible. And I get it. Not as much live hitting in practice anymore, whatever. You're a major Division One college football player at one of the best – programs for it in the sport you need to know how to attack so that was really inexcusable i think the other part of it as well i don't claim to know durante jones as a coach and i don't put this on him i just think that this is an indictment on coach o and on the way that his program from a coaching perspective is, is is viewed because when you approach a Marcus, uh, a Marcus Freeman, right? Uh, when you when you approach him with the opportunity to be the defensive coordinator, he should be absolutely doing backflips to try to get that job, right? And the fact that he passed on you and went to Notre Dame should tell you everything. Yeah. When you go to Zach Arnett at Mississippi State, same deal. I'm not going to have a chance to be very successful here because of what that guy does offensively for us, but I can definitely coach those guys. And he said no. Right. As far as I know, Derek Mason said no. So all of these people told you no, and 
again, this is not an indictment on Durante Jones as a coach. This is not a job for a first-time defensive coordinator. This is a job yeah. for – this is the job for being able to build up my brand, and this is the job for me to be able to, if I want to be a head coach, get that head coaching opportunity. And I think that, honestly, that's what it tells me is that there are coaches out there that don't go coach for that Ogeron guy. Really? Right. Yeah, don't, don't do it. I'm sorry I feel that way, but that's the way I feel. And, and that's – you know, I, I just – I don't know. But I will say this, though. Coach O has had the ability during his time is when it seems like the wolf is at the door, that's when he's able to circle the wagons and get the guys playing their best football. Yeah. I mean, last year, you go it's on the road to Florida. This weekend, though. I thought so, too, as well. I, I did. But we've seen Troy happen. We've seen other losses happen. I mean, A&M lost a few years ago, seven overtimes, all that kind of stuff. Right. So now it's going to be interesting to see if he can get that because your season's not dead by any means. I guess if nothing else, it's kind of like what some Georgia fans were saying. Eh, if we lose this game, it's not over. It's just now Georgia has completely got that netting underneath their high wire trapeze yeah. act. You don't have that netting. And oh, by the way, you got to play A&M. You got to play Florida. You got to play Alabama. Yeah. So that's the frustrating part of it. But that's just defensively for me. I mean, I, and I'm glad that Tyron Matthew and some of the guys were coming out saying, yeah, I don't fly around here. And the fact that you guys weren't that pissed off to try to make sure that everything was lined up from last year, that was a miss for you. That's frustrating. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, like, you know, I think, I think one of the things that I was surprised most about is I, I think UCLA, I thought it was kind of getting overhyped. They, 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 I understand how they beat Hawaii and all that kind of stuff. And we talked about last week, how they had the close losses in 2020 and, and all that kind of stuff. It, they were, they were favored in this game. Like let, let's remind ourselves of that because um, when you talk about like, I think on the Fox broadcast of it, they said it was a, like if they're trying to pull off a huge upset, they were favored by three. So, it, you know, let's not forget that either. You're going across country into not a hostile environment, but also like a difficult situation. I just, but I'm, I'm with you because I, I was, I've always given Coach o the, you know, kind of the benefit of the doubt because of what he was able to do in 2019 and the level of success he was able to reach. I mean, he picked mm -hmm. those guys out. I've said it a thousand times. Like, like that's, it, like, it's not just he picked them out and they had a 10 and two season. He picked them out and they had one of possibly the best season of all time. Like they, they were the best offense of all time, hands down. So I think, you know, we'll let it play out. Um, but you're right. Like, I, you know, I remember when Bama was going through changes, like before a saving got there, like it, it, the worst part about not being a good program. And that's not saying LSU isn't is when you start getting turned down uh -huh. and, and you think that like as a fan, especially the, like the name on your helmet, the name on your Jersey, you know, or your t-shirt or whatever is, is more important or more valuable than it is. That, that is the worst part. Cause that, that is a scary you know, to, I, I think thoughts of kind of like, where is the direction of the program headed? Um, but I'm still not on the on board with him being on the hot seat at all. I think, again, you had 2019 was not that long ago. Um, and I think I think he's still going to be fine as a coach and all that kind of stuff. Um, I want to take you around the SEC and talk about uh, some other things that happened here and, and, and some other games as well. So the first the opening weekend, it was great for the most part, right? And it's not even over yet. We still have as we're recording this Florida State and Notre Dame are playing and we have uh, Ole Miss and Louisville tomorrow night. 
But I wanted to bring this up. I, I, I went through the games because I was able to watch mostly all the games. And um, I didn't watch Vandy, I'll be honest. Uh, oh, no, Randy Etzel is going to retire. Man. Yeah. Dixon32, it says, uh, since he returned to school in 2017. That's tough. Uh, pour one out for Randy Etzel. But so I was watching these games, and, and, and something I feel like we do a lot is, like, we will obviously speculate on, on who is going to be, like, the most impressive team, like, moving forward and, like, all that kind of stuff, right? So, or like, who's the best team? Like, we'll have power rankings come out. And I wanted to do a power ranking of specifically week one performances. But I think there's a couple performances that were in- incredible and huge. And so I ranked them one through 13. Uh, I included Tennessee. And this is, this is what I came up with. You tell me what you think, okay? I said Bama was one, Georgia two, Kentucky was three. I had Auburn at four. And again, this is not who who is the best team. It's it's, it's just most week impressive week one performances. Yeah, I had Auburn at four, Florida at five, South Carolina at six, A and M at seven. Honestly, I had them at eight behind Tennessee, but I I didn't want to get dragged on Twitter. Eight, I had Tennessee. It's strictly based off the first two drives, to be honest. Nine, I had Arkansas. Ten, Mississippi State. Eleven, Mizzou, and then twelve and thirteen, LSU and Vandy. So I'm going to explain a couple of them and. and and tell you my thought process on this because one and two are self-explanatory. I'll start from the bottom here. Nine through 11, like it's impressive that Mississippi State had the biggest comeback or come from behind win in school history. It's impressive that Arkansas came from down 17-7 in the second half and scored 30, what was it, 30 unanswered points, 31 unanswered points. Mm-hmm. Um, Mizzou, also a team that was at least tied late. Like they were, it was a three-point ball game in the fourth quarter. All of that's impressive that you figured out a way to win. What is a little bit befuddling is why were you in that situation in week one, some of these teams that there wasn't a team I just mentioned that was playing opponent, an, an opponent that was ranked higher than 85th in the CBS 130. And, it, you know, I, I get it. You're working the Kings out and all that kind of stuff. I was, I was honestly at least impressed, like maybe with Mississippi State. Because of the fact that we, I've talked about this all offseason about the uptick in production you see from year one to year two with Mike Leach and, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, that was what I thought about those games. The, the Tennessee thing, like I said, that's, they're not a good football team. They got a long way to go. But my God, that, those first two drives, your first drive of the, of the Josh Heupel era, you go right down the, the field in 12 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Like th- that had to be the most refreshing thing ever. Like for Tennessee fans, you know what I mean? Like that, uh, they have not seen yeah. that in, in such a long time. Well, they um, haven't, they, had, they haven't had a lot to feel good about these last yeah. few years. So, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's not I like mean, it was, shit on Tennessee. It's true. No, it's just, it's, it's the truth. I mean, so it was nice for them to be able to say, huh, that looks nice. That's fun. I like yeah. that on my side again. Right. And, and so I, I, I kind of had the same feeling for, for South Carolina. I had them at six. I had it at A&M. Listen, A&M ends up winning. I think it was like 41 to 10 or something like that. Um, by all means, the, the final result of that game was impressive. This is the third year in a row I've watched an A&M opener where they've come out and looked awful. I don't, I don't think it's indicative of how they're going to be this season at all. I, I think, you know, with Haynes King and his first start, he obviously struggled a little bit, had three interceptions. What I was mainly concerned about is like, I remember last year against Vandy, they opened with Vandy and it was like 12 to five, Right. You're, you're supposed to be this program that has turned this corner and, and competing for national championships. And this game doesn't mean you won't compete for them. 
it, Kent State was one of the top scoring offenses, if not the top scoring offense in the country last year, and you held them to, what, 10, 13 points? Um, that was impressive. But coming out of the gates and kind of stumbling like that and taking you a while to hit stride, that, that, that just wasn't impressive. And then the final three, I'll say, um, and six through six through uh, – actually, no, the final four. South Carolina, 46 nothing. It wasn't, you know, they looked fine on offense with Seb Nolan had four touchdowns, so he's tied for the league lead. Um, that defense only gave up 87 total yards. I totally get it's Eastern Illinois, but you you understood the assignment and you did it. And then you have Florida, um, Auburn, and Kentucky. We'll get to Florida in a second, but I, the Auburn game was impressive to me because of Bo Nix, and he went 20 of 22 for 275 and three touchdowns. I'll tell you why that's impressive later. I, no one expected this. 60 to 10. Akron's terrible. They won one game in the last two years. 60 to 10. It was, it was, it was like 37 nothing half of the second quarter. Um, and then last but not least, Kentucky. I almost put Kentucky at one, man. I, I really did. It, we've heard all offseason this is going to be a different offense and this is going to be, they're going to throw it more. And they, I think, I think Stoops' exact words were, or Stoops' exact words were after the spring game, we learned how to throw. <laughs> or we know how to throw now. It's like the most like elementary sounding thing ever. Will Levis came in there, started off kind of slow at an interception, didn't look great. I think they were down 7-0 early. And then they proceeded to just absolutely put it on Louis Monroe. And again, not a great team. But when you have a quarterback who goes 16, or I'm sorry, 18 to 26, 367 yards, four touchdowns and one interception, to put that in perspective, the four touchdowns. The last time they threw four touchdowns in a game at Kentucky was the first game of the 2016 season. Since then, 62 games have been played, right? 62. You haven't had four touchdowns. You, you, you've rarely had multiple touchdowns. And in 28 of the 62, you had none. You had zero passing touchdowns in almost fucking half those games. Like, that's, that's insane to me. And then you bring in this kid, and he's, you know, him and Wando Robinson, to get used to that combination, I, I thought he looked great. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's the one with Kentucky is that it was kind of to look at that and say, well, wow, that's refreshing because we've seen that they can run the football. We've seen right. that they're outstanding defensively, but to actually be able to be an offense that we believe what college football is now, that was, that was nothing short of impressive. You're 100% yeah. right. I mean, Bama, absolutely. I mean, you know, I guess LSU, thank God for Vanderbilt, just looking awful against Randy Sanders. I, I guess that best job in the country is off to a little bit of a slow start. I'm not going to take many shots at Clark Lee. I mean, I, I get what he's trying to say there. He's trying to pump himself up, yeah. trying to pump up the program, trying, trying to draw up interest in, in the program. But let's just say you lose a game like that to an FCS school that has, if I'm not mistaken, less than 10 years old as a program oh, being – uh, being brought back a, a few years ago. I believe Carl Torbush, the former North Carolina coach, was the coach there for a time. And now Randy Sanders, who had been at Tennessee and been at Florida State, he's the head coach there now. No, no, and East Tennessee's, they, uh, I thought it was, was um, Eddie George. Tennessee State is, okay. is Eddie George, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, e, uh, East uh, Tennessee State is uh, Randy Sanders. But that was embarrassing. And then you're exactly right. I mean, I – I looked at that Louisiana Tech Mississippi State game because we were watching games. It was on, but it was one of those that's like kind of like off on a side right. TV. And then when I looked on the bottom graphic there where it said largest comeback in program history, I was like, whoa, they came back. Yeah. 
that had an opportunity to be something where Mississippi State fans could look at Mike Leach and say, yeah, that ain't the way, dude. Like, we got rid of the last guy because, number one, our offense was boring, but number two, we did things like this. Right. Can't have that. Like, we need to at least be a competitive program. But, so, but also, you escape and get the that, win. Like Mississippi State fans, I, I, I love the having expectations. I get it. But Mike Leach has done stuff like this his entire career. Mm-hmm. I mean, very few times have we watched a Mike Leach team just fucking come out of the gates and go start to finish as, you know, like a, like not world beaters even, but like a, a consistent good football team. Like they've been able to throw, but it's always something. It's like they, they jump up and get somebody. I, I think I compared it one time to like Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech, and it's not as drastic, and he's, he'll do better than Johnson, obviously, at Mississippi State. It, but like, it, like the benchmark for the season shouldn't always be well, you know what? Like, remember South Carolina beat Georgia. Like, well, we beat the number three team in the country. It was a huge win. But, you know, we also lost five games. It, like, yeah. At the same way, the low point doesn't need to be we lost Louisiana Tech. And that's kind of where our program is. Because, the, I mean, dude, they lost or they won. It could not have been. It, the ball, the, the end of regulation, Louisiana Tech went to kick a field goal. And the ball literally hit off the crossbar. That That is, <laughs> that is like how close they were to losing it. So it's just, it's lucky. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing is it's better to answer to luckiness than it is to answer to man. That is incredibly disappointing. That is unreal that this was allowed to happen today and it obviously didn't. So that's good news. I mean, for A&M, it's the same deal with A&M as it is for Georgia you got to prove that you can get over that hurdle. And for them, it's being able to beat Alabama. So I think that probably a lot of the expectations and a lot of the hype for them this season, it would have been tough to be able to live up to that right out the gate. But, you know, to your point as well, I mean, I think that Jimbo Fisher will probably turn around and say, you know, rough starts ending in a 41 to 10 win. I'm good to be in that business. I'm fine being there, but no, it's, uh, you know, I think it's really got to be a prove it for A&M. And like you talked about Haynes King, the way he played, you play that way October the 9th, it's not going to go your way. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Um, I want to talk about Florida before we, before we close out here. And that's, um, so Florida specifically, we've been talking about this kind of, like not for the entire offseason, but it's something Chris Doring brought up on here, um, you know, like in March or April or whatever it was. Um Florida has a QB problem, possibly, mm-hmm. right? It, like, I wouldn't say it's a problem. Having two quarterbacks, a two-quarterback system has never really worked necessarily. Um, and so you got to, in my opinion, you got to pick a guy. I think Florida will be okay no matter who they pick, but you got you to gotta choose one. And this is a game where you knew they were both going to get playing time. And we're talking about Emory Jones, obviously, and, and Anthony Richardson. But I think more and more it's like fall camp has got on as – the backup quarterback is always the favorite player on the team, right? Like, it's just, you always think that like everything could be solved if, if only he was in or whatever. I think when you, like Emory Jones coming in, that first drive looked vintage Mullen, right? They just, they went up and down the field with ease and it was, it was great. And I think they scored on the next drive too. So you go up 14-0 pretty early. Um, or maybe it was the third drive, but you're at 14-0 in the first quarter. And then you didn't really struggle. I never thought they were like in danger of losing, right? It, right. You know, it, like, they didn't like, but late in the game, I think it's like what? Um, at one point, it was like 28 7. The game ends at 35 14. You, you're never at any point like where you were going to lose that game. 
but the offense was struggling. He had two interceptions. And at times it didn't, it didn't seem like it definitely wasn't moving with the same ease as the year before, which that's an unrealistic expectation, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't even moving with the same consistency as the start of the game. You have Anthony right. Richardson come in, this massive Cam Newton, like looking quarterback with like faster. Um, and he ends up leaving him in rushing. It's like seven carries for 160 yards, breaks off a, a, like a long run of like 73 yards, something like that. What do you think? Do you think there's a, like a QB controversy at all in Gainesville? And who do you think should be starting at QB? Well, I will say this. I mean, it was pointed out to me by somebody who's on the beat about Emory Jones. Listen to how many times Dan Mullen in his press conferences brings up Anthony Richardson, because I think he even himself knew. I don't know if this is a hundred percent Emory's team. And if that's the case and you're going to do what they did with, with the quarterback situation, but I will say this too. I mean, you've got to be able to have him turn it loose a little bit more Mm -hmm. than he did yesterday, because as we were talking about some of the concerns and questions with certain teams, it's that with Florida because down the road, you're going to need that out of one of the two guys yeah. that you eventually go with. And I get it. I mean, like you said, the backup quarterback is always the most popular because it's really what college football fans do. We don't like the future. Well, let, let me actually say, we don't like the past because right. once you're in the past, it's, it's really uh, uh, of no value to us anymore. I mean, it's a, Hey, all right. That's awesome. You know, former all sec player here at, at uh, said school wave to the crowd when we bring you out for a timeout. But aside from that college football fans love the future much more than they love the present. Right. And because the future is undefeated in in the future, you, you don't lose in the future. Right. So I think that that's part of it as well is that it's, I believe, you know, a Florida fan would probably say, I think I know what I have in Emory Jones. I believe, I believe that I could get better out of Anthony Richardson. Yeah. And a lot of times when you go chasing like that, it doesn't work out well for you. So it's true. I think, I think you're going to have Emory Jones try to work through some of these issues. I think eventually he is your guy, but I think the fact that to the point that I brought up that Anthony Richardson was not only used in the game last night, he also was brought up so much as Dan Mullen saying, I'm not hundred percent there yet. Right. Yeah. I think honestly, like, like the concern is, and you made a great point. It's like in the future, you don't lose. Right. The, the concern for me is we talk about Haynes King making his first start, those three interceptions. It's, he's a, you know, second year freshman, basically. I don't know if even, I don't think he registered, but it, I, mean, I guess technically they all did last year. Right. right but yeah. you're a second year guy, you're young, you're, you're coming to the program. I mean, Henry Jones is a guy that's been there for a minute. Right. Like, and, and mm-hmm. I get that it's like his first, not his, like, it's not like his first experience like with any kind of playing time. He's had a lot of playing time, right? He's, he's been in sure. bigger moments than what we saw on Saturday and more important moments, and he's done well. But the concern for me is if you are in year, what, a three, four here with, with Emory, and this is the progress, quote, unquote, that we've made, right. that's the concern where – and it might have been a bad game. It, like, but I would have felt better if it was – you know, last year we saw with Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask got the ball downfield, right? The, yep. Those receivers are able to get downfield. Jacob Copeland, where were you? One one reception in this game. Um, you know the the running backs looked better. That that was a positive because they looked like pretty pretty bad the past couple of years um, in that run game. But the the concern for me wasn't the seventeen to twenty seven. It wasn't even the two interceptions. It's the fact that he threw for one hundred and thirteen yards. Because you know again we talked with JT Daniels. He averaged like what like five yards a, a, a attempt or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
the, the downfield passing that they were able to do last year, the way he was able to scheme open pits and scheme open, you know, um, Kadarius Tony or, or, or even like Trayvon Grimes, like on the outside, you just didn't see that last night. And, and then you, the biggest question you kind of had going into it is, all right, if they're even able to do that, can he get him the ball? And now, like, you know, that's, that's the biggest concern. No, it, I mean, it, it needs to be because, I mean, to your point, you almost saw precision passing last year. You did from Kyle Trask and what he was able to do with, with throwing the football. And that was the question. And of course, you know, we also had Dan Mullen trying to pump up his quarterback, right? Oh, Emory can make those throws. As a matter of fact, Emory's got a better arm than Kyle Trask. I I just, I I think that there's a lot of timing that goes with it. There's a lot of accuracy that goes with it. And it also too, I think that it's just, it's the timing to be able to develop that with your guys that I don't think he just has. And, and, Will that ever come? I don't know. I mean, sometimes it doesn't for, for some quarterbacks. It's just the way it is. I mean, for every quarterback you get that has that rapport with his receivers, you have others that it's just kind of a, hmm, something's a mess. Right. Agreed. All right. Well, we are, um, we're going to close it out here because my voice is about to be gone. Okay. We're, we're actually not even going to do the voicemails. We're going to save the voicemails for – we can play them at the end if you want, but um, I think we should save them for, for a, a day or two. Um, until we do I the like next it. pod, I appreciate yeah. you joining us. By the way, yeah, we I mean, didn't I'm... do any of the national stuff, and that's for the main reason of there wasn't really much to talk about. Besides, Oklahoma is once again overrated. They won by <laughs> five at home to Tulane, which was fun. I mean, like I don't know when we're going to as as a society just stop saying to ourselves, "This is a different Oklahoma team." You know, yeah. you know. Trust me, it's the defense, man. Like it's different than years past. It's not. It's the same. It's always the same. So. We'll talk more about that later in the week. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Dan. You're the yeah, best. Buddy. And I'm sorry again about the LSU loss. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, soon, man. Well, you know, it, at least there's beer. So, yeah, there you, you know, go. I've, I've got that going for me, which is I nice. But, attitude. yeah, my, 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 phone, my phone is always on for you, Chris. You know this. That's fair. That's fair. All right. We'll get out of here. Uh, thank you for joining us. We will be back later this week, and we will have at least one episode. I'm not sure how Tyler's going to be after this game. Um, we'll figure it out. We'll have Dan on again. Who knows? There you go. But I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this one with your, with your posting from your Uncle Chris. I'm out of here. There you go.